Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world today. I greet you in the mighty and precious and holy and great name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior. It's a wonderful thing. Good morning, Light Touch. Good morning, Sister um, Reams. So good that you are here, bright and early, ready to go. Thank you. It's a great thing. I'm going to get some of the music down a little bit. There we go, so that you can hear me. Isn't it a wonderful day? It is so lovely outside where we are here in the U.S. on the East Coast. We are in daylight savings time, and so you can know that we are very much on the eastern part or in the eastern part of the United States. It's a good thing. So we're we're really pleased. This is, wow, what a And once again, our father is the author and the finisher. <laughs> he is the great I am of it all. And everything that is, is because he has spoken it into being and he upholds it with the word of his power. God is amazing. He's really good. Now, this morning, like I said, this is Wild What a Show. And we are in a series that we titled um, Apples of Gold, colon, reading through Proverbs, right? And we've established that these Proverbs are the voice of God, their wisdom uh, for the believers and those who don't believe really and truly. If you walk by these uh, uh, points and wise sayings, you're apt to have not a bad life after all. <clears throat> you will navigate some things in life with a great deal of wisdom, and therefore you will avoid many pitfalls. So we're in chapter 23 of Proverbs. And this morning, I think I'm going to do a little bit something different. We're going to read and watch how the coupling of these verses has been um, established so that you're no longer dealing with one wise saying after another, which you are, but not by verse. They, these are rather joined together. So let's read and hear together, see what we can hear here. <clears throat> Chapter 23. And this, these sayings are on moral, ethical, and spiritual precepts. Um, just before, I'm sorry, I didn't bring something, so I'm going to have to move around a little bit before I actually begin to read. And I want to say that I am, um, you know, this is a beautiful organization here in Colorado. It's not the city. And it's of the faith, right? Because that's important. Truth is important. And in this faith, God says he is truth. And so he, he will stand uh, when examining truth. And what, so this morning I'm revisiting a book, you know, Ancient Future Faith. And I got the, um, I got the um, book when I was able to spend a, a week in study with Ravi Zacharias' team in Nyack, New York, and I was just oh, just taken with this these people's mind. I mean, these folks can think, 
<coughs> I, I was thinking, and I was right. They can think. They they have a great deal of knowledge, and they are, uh, you know have amassed knowledge in such a way as to make a uh, an apologetic, a defense for the faith. That is very uh, needful, I believe, in a world where academics is so important, and there it is very needful where. Uh, Certain people are just born to have that kind of um, questioning. They think about things very deeply and they need to have answers. So I really uh, believe in, in the defense of the gospel. But as I was reading in this book, the ancient future faith is the path to the future is through the past. And so the, now I haven't read the whole book. So I, I mean, I read some of it and I don't remember it. So I'm reading it again. The path is through the past. And therefore in this postmodern world we are living in, and there's a lot to define in all of that. We find ourselves, I think, and, and I'm going to take me here, not paraphrase his words, but there's a dearth of um, loyalty to the faith. There is a, a lack of, you know, evidence in people's lives that God is real. And this proposition then of ancient future faith is to return to what is called classical Christianity. In that, I believe uh, what they're saying is looking back at how the church was formed, how it was lived out, and the surrounding environment and, and context and uh, the climate for study and all of that has played a part and a big role in the uh, advancement of Christianity. And then it hits against the culture often. And, and then it, you know, it's rethought and re-talked about and all that stuff. And then you hit this pocket where people are no longer uh, living satisfied lives in their hedonistic ways or their atheistic ways. And so we search again for something that is transcendent. And Jesus Christ, of course, is that God is a transcendent uh, entity, power, thought, whatever, you, however you would say it. And so we must return, which is why reading the Proverbs this time has been so, I think, different for me. It's very eye-opening, and we're doing something together that is lost in our modern Christian lives. We are reading the scriptures together. We are dividing and responding to the word together. We are in fellowship. Every comment has value. Every question deserves attention, and the body of believers are gathered and that is really what truth is. Now, isn't this amazing that the gathering is no longer in that local church? The gathering is via social media. Can you believe it? We really don't need, we're not even touching one another. We're not in close proximity. But we have learned to touch again through these artificial means where they're not, you know, unreal. They're real. But we are in communication without being in the same location. And we are in communication without ever set having set eyes on each other. I think, well, some of us have, of course, but there are others who come. And I believe that this is 
I, it just really hit me. And I got up at seven o'clock this morning, wide eyed and bushy tailed after probably not going to sleep until the, the 12, 30 or one. Right. And so, the, and this is new for me too, to be this alert with that little bit of sleep. Cause I'm a nine hour girl every day, all day. <laughs> but when the Lord wants to speak, he will call us forth. He will call you. He will call me forth and he will Awaken us, you, me, to himself. And in those precious, quiet moments, he will bring to us a revelation. And here he will open something that you never saw before. And this is something that I had not seen. I knew social media had a hold on folks in, a, in such a way, right? But I didn't know the capacity for it to actually create fellowship in the faith. And I am very, very pleased about that. And I ask the Lord to keep us in his way that our communications via these new platforms will lead people to investigate because there is a need for fellowship in the whole world not just in the church, but amongst others. There is a need for what we call transparency, and that is a confession of sin, of opening your life so that you can release the pressure of it all, the guilt that you may be carrying, the, the pains that you might be suffering. And you can release it, right? And you can have support behind you. And that's kind of what happens. Everything is normalized and it shouldn't be that way. But the release is what we should have had in fellowship all these years. And more and more, it is leaked from us in the church. And I believe God is using the creative power of his, his true believers, those people who really walk with him, to do something new and improved. And he's spoken more, but I shall leave it right there. We're going to begin now in chapter 23, reading. By the way, if there's anyone in the live audience and you want to read, simply send the invitation and I will allow you to come in and we will share the reading. I'm going to read right now and uh, I'm going to stop. I don't know quite where, but I, you know, I'm going to read a few chapters and then I'm going to put them together. So if you if you send the invitation, I will I will look to see it. So verse one, when thou sittest to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee, and put a knife, verse two, to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Verse three, be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. These three verses definitely are coupled together. As you notice, it's one continued sentence. And so one point is being made in three verses, verses one through three. And the point here is that do not be deceived by that which can be provided to you, lured you into a life that you might not really want to enter. You may want to 
be careful because when a person peeps out your appetites, they know exactly how to ensnare you. And I believe that the, the, the food is an ensnarement to many, especially during a time when people could be in famine. Now, we in the United States, we kind of haven't gone through a whole lot of famine. God has been good, whether this country wants to say so or not anymore. We have not experienced widespread lack of food. And so it still, however, is a deceitful matter. There, I used to say when I came to Monmouth County, I'd never seen so many uh, people gather around food, free food from wherever. Nobody asked any questions. So that, you know, there was a certainty that what is being provided is, um, is what you call is safe to eat. Well, I'm from the South and in the South, we're constantly warned when we were growing up not to eat anybody's food. And church potlucks were never something that my mother even allowed us to really fully participate in. We could take a dish, but she would tell us, eat only a bit and bring nothing out of that place. That probably had to do with lack as well. But the bottom line is, when your appetites are sought out, you can be imperiled. So now think about that. I used to take food from meetings that I would please. I used to take it to the homeless. But if I wanted to really get rid of the homeless, you know what I'm saying? On the slow, there's a way, you know, if I wanted to ensnare somebody, all you have to do is say, come on, I'll buy you this or come on, I'll do that. If you do this for me, that's the point here. I think that is the point that is being made. So when you sit to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what who 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 you're sitting before and and also proper etiquette <laughs> this guy says is is uh eating it, it listen it to to gobble down and to you know be uh out of order you know you have no table manners and all of that that is even another telltale sign of who you really are your breeding so to speak and so you could be judged wrongly even in that so take care read this one again and read it from both both points of view one a matter of etiquette and a proper way to eat and two from the point of revealing your gluttonous ways your appetite for and the that desire for the excess of it and then i would say apply this whole concept to anything in your life, right, where you are able to expose your inner lust because you could be taken advantage of. A good morning, blessed Aku Agbeleke. I like that. Thank you very much for joining us. We are in Proverbs chapter 23. We have just read verses one through three. Now we shall start again with four. Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. Will you set your eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away 
as an eagle toward heaven. And they, they, again, you know, riches are uncertain. Even if you acquire them, you may not keep them, or you may be required to lower your moral and ethical standard in order to keep them. Riches can be an ensnarement to your moral character, right? And a disappointment if you are not immoral, but they fly away. And, you know, an eagle is a very strong bird. It can get very high. And um, if it flies away like that, you're not apt to retrieve it. So take care. So that was verses uh, four through six. And now we go on to verse seven. Uh, let me see where, I'm sorry. Uh, verse four and five, I'm sorry, uh, verse six. Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The morsel which thou hast eaten, shalt thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. See? Mm. All of this is, uh, again, going back to verses 1 and 3, but it's an extended. Now, 1 and 3 is talking about how you eat, right? Uh, and, and don't be gluttonous in their presence, etc. And this continues the thought of exposing your own weaknesses. And do not be tempted by these things that are, uh, you know, given by people with an evil eye. And th the point is made that whatever, if a man is evil and wicked in his heart, let me tell you, that fellowship is never going to turn out well. It's never going to turn out well. And verse 8 just really captures how it turns out. The morsel which you have eaten, you'll vomit up and lose your sweet words. Now that's amazing, right? Because that's kind of the literal of what happens when you overeat and you overdrink. You do throw up, right? And you do uh, speak things that should never have been spoken. And the bad part about it is many times people have no memory of all that they did do while they were in this vile condition. So the word of God is so plain. It, these Proverbs really are, Sister Reams, they really are. Let's go on to verse 9. Speak not in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of thy words. That is so true. Um, remember, we've already gone through this several times. The Proverbs have reiterated this. A fool will hate you if you try to correct him. So better not to try and correct him, to but show him Jesus first <laughs> so that he can get some wisdom and then he will be not void of understanding and will welcome uh, correction. Verse 9 says, speak not in the ears of, I mean, verse 10 says, remove not the old landmark and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. Then verse 11 goes on, for their Redeemer is mighty. He shall plead their cause with thee. 
Listen, that is so true. And remember in, the, in yesterday, I think in verse 22, chapter 22, we talked about what the old landmark is. And that is the boundary, a boundary of land and how people used to move them. And it was not easily proven that, that they had tampered with this because what they're doing is extending their ownership and, and stealing from another's place, right? So don't remove the ad old landmark. And then here it says, for if you get into the fields of the fatherless, God, <laughs> God will plead the cause. You see, the Lord himself will come and plead with thee. And I'm not sure that is that God is pleading with you to do a right thing, but rather that he's probably pleading with you to forego his judgment. You, we don't want to enter into a wrong place with the Lord. Now, because calamity doesn't come swiftly, so says the Psalms, it will come for sure. So you may not be expecting it, but you really will have to deal with the consequences there. And then verse 12 says, apply, apply thine heart unto instruction and thine ears to the words of knowledge and withhold not correction from thy child. For if thou beat it's him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. Listen, um, this is verses 11 through uh, 14. And the the point here, like we already talked about this also, is beating with the rod is not abuse. You know, you're not beating the child to break his spirit or to tear him down. And and we like to move from the word beating because in today's culture and society, if you say you beat a child, you're going to jail for sure. Nobody is going to allow that to happen. But the bottom line is, as a parent, you must you must uh, uh, devise correctional methods for your children so that you're teaching them to obey the uh, precepts and that will that will uh, ensure that they have a good life and avoid the law. Some years ago in in California, uh, there was a law passed. They were talking about it anyway that if a child under a certain age committed a crime, they were going to take the parents to jail. <laughs> Isn't that something? And they actually were very serious about it. I was, you know, I listened to the radio an awful lot and I would hear these discussions. If a child, if the child commits a, a crime and had to go before court, it would be the parents who stood there. And you know, to some degree that makes a lot of sense. Because if a child, if a parent has been negligent in teaching the child and um, being in the child's life such that he is restrained and, and seeking interventions at a time when the child can be molded, like Ethan told us last night in their er early years, then the courts were saying, we will hold you responsible for their, for their crime. Now, I don't think that ever took real foot, but it was really a serious discussion. Good morning, The Bang. God bless you for being here. We appreciate you joining us. We are reading from Proverbs chapter 23, and we're presently at verse 14. I wanted to come to the um, Holman Bible 
to read this um, and see what they how they apply that. So that's it. Apply apply yourself to instruction and listen to the words of knowledge. And then he goes on to say, don't withhold correction from our youth if you beat him with a rod. So it's the same thing. He will not die. Strike him with a rod and you will not rescue. So now I was raised with, uh, you know, with a switch. <laughs> my, my mom had a switch in her and well, she didn't have him in the house all the time. But if you transgressed her, her the, the, the rule of the house, right, you had a consequence to pay. And uh, there was no rod. You know, it wasn't like a, a rod, a stiff, uh, hard thing. They were little switches from a particular hedge bush, and they were very what flexible. But like the little weed, they didn't break. You know what I mean? <laughs> so she would just switch you real quickly around the legs, and that just taught you a little lesson right there. So we were raised that way. And when I went to school, also the teachers could spank you in your hand. That's that's how it was. Now I'm not dead, and I did get you know I did have that rod. By the way. Um, not many times, though, because I was a, the kind of child who didn't like the rod. And so whatever my mother said, I don't care what it made me look like before my friends, I did it. And Sister Reeve says, I was raised similarly, had to go get the switch myself, didn't we all? Uh, amen. <laughs> and listen, uh, we came from a generation of very mannerable uh, children and and the incarceration rate it was far less than what it is today. I mean, when I say far less, I mean that 19, uh, late 17s and 80s saw a uh, gradual increase, but it is probably three or four times higher, maybe even more than that. And a part of it, of course, is, you know, the bias in the, in the justice system that was always there. And now there are more reasons for those who are biased to um, exact hard uh, sentences for crime because the number of people who have to go before those magistrates and judges and things has, has increased as well. So we must take heed and devise measures by which we can raise our children with good correction. And uh, if the switch is not your thing, you better come up with something that's equally, you know, uh, effective because children are given their way in schools. When you send them to the public square, there's not a lot that, that a teacher can do to help correct them, you know. Um, so let's think on that matter and pray about it seriously. We want to see our children delivered from so many ensnarements. I mean, these things can alter a child's life for the rest of their lives, and nothing hurts a parent more than seeing that. And then we go on to verse 14. Thine, uh, let's see, thou, you shall be, the, oh no, no, 15. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yes, my reigns, that's my heart again, shall rejoice when your lips speak right things. Ooh, this is good. That's uh, verses 15 and 16, right? And that's just the father saying, if you get it, son, you'll make me to rejoice. You will rejoice, but my, I will rejoice. And if you're a parent, you know that that is true. When our children are living uh, appropriately and they are living in the peace and joy of the Lord, there's no greater joy 
for a mother's heart or a father's heart. And verse 17 says, let not your heart envy sinners and do not uh, always be in the fear of the Lord all the days of your life. For surely there is an end and your expectation shall not be cut off. Ooh, this is good. Mm. Hear then, my son, and be wise and guide your heart in the way. Do not um, be among wine bibbers, among a riotous eaters of flesh. You know, that's too much, too much food altogether. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and drowsiness shall clothe the man with rags. So he's saying, don't envy what these guys do out there. You, when we, listen, you see people who party and they look like they're the happiest people in the world because in the moment they are overtaken with uh, the carousing and the uh, alteration of the mind that strong drink and drugs, etc., uh, cause you to live in. And so they make these wild, you know, uh, wild claims of joy. They can't wait to rush back and do it again. Do not go that way. This is the, the, the instruction of here is don't don't enter into that because in so doing, you do enter into an ensnarement and there is going to come a time when the drunkard, the drug addict, the glutton will be in poverty and drowsiness will cause rags. Because if you, when you're living that kind of life, I oh, do I remember I told the story how that lady got up where well, she didn't have to get up the next morning and go to work. She could sleep all day. But that's what happens. You know, uh, I don't know if you've been around uh, addicts or uh, alcoholics. They're very drowsy. They really cannot keep it uh, go. You can't keep your lifestyle up, right? It's so amazing how God's word shows us how to live we truly cannot go wrong if we apply God's word to our lives. Help us, Holy Spirit, to obey God's words. This is from Sister Reams and a prayer. Amen uh, by light touch. So uh, verse 22 says, Hearken unto thy father and that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Um, and, and this is the point right here. Why? Why is it? that when someone has given you all their lives to raise you and to provide for you, that suddenly everybody else has more to say than they have said. Suddenly in your life, those teen years, everybody else's point of view is more important than those people who have loved you all those years. It is amazing how the mind of a man works. It is amazing how perverse our thoughts become. When we think we know something or when we think we have arrived, we do not consider even the love that is right in our presence. Would that there be no God for us? What then? What would happen if we did not have a place to put all the uh, wrongdoing, the pain that comes from our choices? and the guilt that we have to live after we've made these wrong choices. And I am not exonerating parents if they are mean and, and, and strong of talk, you know, and if they are abusive, I'm not exonerating that. I'm simply saying that there is an order in God that will allow for that and your health still 
to flourish. And all we have to do is seek the Lord and ask him to show us the way. Honor your father and your mother. There is with that a promise. And how do you honor a bad parent, right? <laughs> God will have to guide you because he knows the parent. He knows what will get to their hearts. That's why we need to know God early. And listen, we take up the slack of the parent who themselves have not been guided. We being the, the body collective, the whole of God's body. Anybody who knows the word of God ought to be willing to, with kindness and love and gentleness, step in and help wherever there is a need. This is the way of the Lord. Welcome, ABC7. So glad you're here. So now verse 23 says, buy the truth and do not sell it. Also by wisdom and instruction and understanding. This is good. Take it in. Well, it's here they use the word buy. That buy is, I believe, a, a, a giving of your time and your effort. That's the payment. That's all the payment is. Seeking and receiving. That is the, that's what you, uh, you uh, are, are uh, giving in exchange for the wisdom and the understanding and of the truth. And Isaiah 57 says, Ho, everyone that thirsts, come ye to the waters and buy and buy without price. See, but you do have to get to the waters. You do have to go. And so that is the buying. That's the money. That's the exchange, the tender, I should say, for what you are getting. And verse 24, the father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that beareth wise child shall have joy in them. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. Oh, this is good. And it's just a restatement telling you what mothers and fathers, um, absolutely. My son, give me thine heart and let your eyes observe my ways. And now we go again. For a whore is a deep ditch and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lies in wait as for prey and increases the transgressors among men. Who hath, oh, well, let's stop that with there. This is it. That strange woman and women, that strange man, you really do not want to go there. And I believe the strange woman is a metaphor for all the religions that came in with the foreign women that Solomon brought into the uh, palace. You know, of uh, uh, 300 wives, I think, and 700 concubines. There was a lot going on in that palace. And uh, all these women, go back and read it in the book of uh, Chronicles, right? Kings. They, they built their high places. They brought their own religions in. And, and, and uh, Israel was greatly ensnared with idolatry. And that's what he's saying. A narrow pit, the strange woman, and a deep ditch, the whorish woman. And if you could work in, in HIV, when I worked in HIV, we took many, 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 many trainings, right? And we, there was one chart that I would use to show what happens 
when you are sexually intimate with numerous partners. What people do not know is that exchange of fluid stays and you keep exchanging fluids with all these people. But you're not just now exchanging your fluid, you're exchanging yours plus the people who came before you. So that is a deep ditch. I'm telling you, you really, really, really ensnare yourself when you start sleeping around like that. And if you're a female, you are a receptacle. Really, you are. And so you're receiving all this stuff, which is where women are more prone to infection than men. Check it out and see if I'm right or wrong. Don't just believe me. Go and ch double check everything and see if my, my, you know, that, that, that information is, is a little outdated. I, I took these back in 2000, maybe six, seven in there. To, I started, but check it out because that's what is written. That is what was in, in the trainings. And I can imagine that unless the science was way off and, you know, sexually transmitted disease have been studied for a very long time and have been the problem for many people, then I think I, I think it still holds. So check it out. So 29 says, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who has a, a babbling, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes, they that tarry long at the wine, that they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not upon the wine when it is red, when it gives its color in the cup, where when it moves itself aright, uh, at the last it biteth like a serpent and uh, stings like an adder. Mm -mm -mm. See, this goes right back into the discussion that was earlier in the chapter about strong drink and I think it's like way back in verse, uh, where is it up there? Uh, oh yeah, six, right? Yeah, long and it, a couple of times it's talked already about a strong drink. Strong drink is just not a wise thing for a wise man or a righteous man because in strong drink, many mistakes are made. And in strong drink, the mind is altered and drugs alter the mind. You know, when I took Percocet once, when I, I had the flu really bad, this is, it was the strangest occurrence. I was working away from home and with my kids, right? And we were, get, we had gotten in the car to drive for Christmas break back to uh, my, the, the, my home. And um, I didn't feel good. I just started feeling like I couldn't drive that distance. And so I went back in the house and I, I never got out. We never ever made the trip because I had the flu so bad. I went to the emergency room and I am not a person to take a lot of pills. I don't do that. Uh, and definitely pain pills. Like when I get a headache, I don't find an aspirin. When I get a, you know, uh, my body aches, I don't go find the Tylenol and all that. I don't do that. Even when I am sick, I, did, I never did it. I had surgeries and wouldn't take the pain medication. Um, so, now, that's just how I'm made and how I think. I don't know why I do that, but nonetheless. So they gave me, I, I had a prescription for Percocet. Percocet is a painkiller and it's a strong one. 
And let me tell you, this is the honest to goodness truth. I was just telling my son about this. I started to hallucinate like you cannot believe. I can still see the um, it was uh, the monster. There was a monster on a horse coming out of the corner of my room. And it was weird. I didn't feel uh, afraid, right? I knew I was, I knew that this medicine was bothering me. I never took another one of those Percocets. See, this stuff alters the mind. It gets into the brain. And what you see there, when you hear people talk about LSD and, you know, the trips and the colors and all of that, is because there's an interference with the process of your brain. Something is wrong there. And when people dream, dream, dream till they, you know, it's amazing. Like if you took a picture of, of some of the people and, and the way they look and act and think and talk when they're drunk, I, if you showed it to me, I'd be so ashamed. I'd never go back to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, but, but it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. Not only is it dangerous to the mind, but it's also dangerous to the body. Strong drink is much harder on the body right then uh you know drugs do what they do but the breakdown of the organ systems like alcohol is is wretched if you are if you're drinking often we just read also an article how young people's drinking habits are definitely um uh terrible they they take a great weight because they that that strong drink they binge in and out binging with strong drink and they destroy the frontal lobe of their brain. And so their uh, power to, to make decisions and to think things through is destroyed from strong drink. It's amazing, right? This stuff that lures people into these lifestyles. And then you are absolutely... I remember my piano tuner, he had gotten um, every every gold album that um, Elvis Presley had, he had because he was an arranger for Elvis, right? And he told me about the drinks and the, the, the drugging that they did. This man, he was young when he went out there and uh, he, he would uh, get lost in a sentence and he would begin to rub his head and say, he would stay there a long time. He was sober and a Christian, and the Lord had brought him through some hard stuff. He, and he would be able to tell me the story, but he was definitely affected. You see, you, you don't walk away from that stuff unaffected. And as much as we try to educate and tell our children, they still are lured by it. So everybody's saying it ought to make some effect, but if everybody is not saying it... <laughs> It is kind of funny to observe a drunk, and it's sad. And good morning, Mr. P and Emilia Akua. God bless you for joining us. It is very sad. And the results from all of this is sadder still. I have worked with what happens to a person. I've worked with them in the result phase of all of this, the repayment phase. And I tell you, it is more than sad. Mm, it's more than sad. So I won't depress you further with that. I'm telling you there's a God who saves. And despite all that they go through, right, I've seen many, many drug addicts and many uh, alcoholics turn around, get through the um, 
what you call it, the, uh, the, the, the uh, time rehabilitation is what I'm saying, and the cleanup time. But they're left with many, many problems in the body. And, 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 they're, and culturally, you know, they're isolated until Jesus Christ finds them a home. Oh, God, may we be people who really have mercy on those who have great needs because everyone doesn't just, you know, recklessly become whatever. They're not trying to get there like that. They're running in general from some bad experience or they're trying to be social or they're trying to find their place. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what meets them. And we have to be there. Lord God, let us be there. So then look, uh, look not upon, oh, not the wine. I did that. Your eyes shall behold strange women again, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. When you do this, when you are living in that drunken uh, or drug addicted state, right? Because your mind is not working. Yes, you shall be as he that lived lieth down in the midst of the sea, or is he that lieth upon the lion of a mast? Isn't that something? The top of a mast, I'm sorry. You know, if you lie down in the sea, if you stay there long enough, you're going to, you, you, you'll float for a while, but something may get you. And if you're not really positioned well in your floating, to, to float, you will drown. Hmm. God have mercy. They have stricken me. Ah, oh, shall you say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Mm. And that leaves us on a, a note of total sadness. Um you know, because that, that's the condition. And I, I do want to read that segment again. I want to know exactly where it started. Uh, let's see. Mm, let's see who has wounds. Who has, well, verse 29 to the end. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has conflicts? Who has complaints? Who has wounds for no reason? Who has red eyes? Those who linger long over wine, those who go looking for mixed wine, don't gaze at it when it is red, <clears throat> excuse me, when it gleams in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and you shall say absurd things. You will be like someone sleeping out at sea or lying down on the top of a ship's mast. They struck me but I feel no pain. They beat me, but I didn't know it. When will I wake up? I'll look for another drink. You see? And isn't that, that the state of those people who are ensnared by strong drink and drugs? They sleep. And when they wake up, finally, when they awaken, the thing they need the most, and they need it, is the drink or the drug, and they live just for the drink or the drug. Nothing to be laughed at and not to scorn anyone. That is the condition of a society that allows such as this to be offered 
to anyone. And because it is there and available, anyone, you or me, could be the recipient of the offering. Oh Lord, our God, in the name of Jesus Christ, break our hearts like yours is broken over these matters. Help us, Father, to be a light in a very dark world. Help us to be a voice, Lord God, for the silent among us. Help us, Lord God, to be instruction and wisdom and knowledge for those who have not. Oh God, lead us in your way so that we can lead someone else in your way. Help us, Father, strengthen us. Mm. Be our God, be our transformer, truly. In the name of Jesus Christ, and thank you for these wise words to us all. And remember, Solomon also gathered the wisdom of all those around him. And it really sounds much like Solomon himself. And I believe that because he was so sought out as a man of wisdom, and so many people visited him, that they took his words and became themselves wise people. And here it is. Remember at the end of verse 22, I'm going to go back and I'm going to try to find it when he actually um, uh, tells us that he, he makes this appeal and he says, have I not spoken? Have I not spoken to you? Wise words. Have I not given you knowledge? Have I not shared with you? Take it, he says, listen, follow it. He's really pleading with that son, whoever he's writing to. Good morning, Tina. So glad that you're here. We're just at the end of reading chapter 23 in uh, the book of Proverbs. And all of you who came late, I hope that you will uh, read it, right? And, and really, don't just read it to read it. Read it to hear it, right? Read it to let it soak in. And then I pray that God's heart will give you a right way to share with those that you love or anybody that you know, or whenever the Holy Spirit will guide you to talk to someone. And I, I really appreciate a friend of mine who says that she didn't, she didn't like beating people over the head with the Bible. Well, you know, you don't call yourself beating them over the head with the Bible, but the words of the Bible are the best words to be spoken. So you don't, you don't, you know, quote verse, verse in scripture and all that because people don't know the verses. They don't, they don't know it. If they don't know the Bible, they're not going to know that. But if you speak the words in plain English, they don't need to know it. And that's the Lord to anoint your words, right? Then um, by sharing and sharing God's word, the same power of his word to my life and to your life could be and is over theirs. Whether they receive or reject it, the power, the opportunity is given them. And just like you or I have to hear a thing over and over again in order to actually get it deep into our very, very beings, right? So it is with other people. And yet we get so cross when people don't get it the first time. I'm saying, what is, what's wrong with you? You didn't get it the first time either. 
So may the Lord our God help us and guide us in our way. Father, you are so good, and we thank you so much for allowing us to gather in this moment of fellowship and, and around your word and to eat from such a great table. You are all that you are, Father, and there is none other like you. Take our effort. We, we, we are here. Lord, expand our minds in the knowledge of your wisdom and cause us, God, not to just be wise as Solomon was, but did what he did anyway, but to be wise and to gain both knowledge and understanding that we would be truly your plantings, trees of righteousness called by your name. We bless you now. And for everyone who's entered the studio, God, I ask the same blessing that you provide for them, oh, magnanimously. Day in and day out, let them find the mercies that are new for us every every morning, your word says. May we just run to you in our need. And God, you are Father who gives sufficiently to your children, not even as an earthly father. You said if, if an earthly father knows how to give good gifts, how much more your father will give you what? The Holy Spirit. What can we want more than the Spirit of God guiding our lives, directing our paths, speaking to us and making things plain, giving us the revelation of how to live. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus Christ. And as we have dined so well this day, let us go out rejoicing as always. He's better than good. You see, he is so good. And we thank him. Have a wonderful day. Come again this evening. We reconvene at 8.30 this evening when we shall have a reader. And she was with us before, very thorough. It was great to have her. You might enjoy another person's point of view on the same chapter. May the Lord our God bless you in the day or the night, wherever you are in the world. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a part of our gathering. Have a great day, night, or whatever. See you now. <laughs>